0: One, two, I one, want two, <laughs>
1: Is this a hint as
0: to what we're going to talk about today? <laughs> I think so, Ralph. You and I have sort of uh, scripted this out a little bit in the past. Uh, uh, that's Will Ferrell. I don't know if you remember his uh, really uh, addictive song called uh, uh, Happy. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, the way over today, the way into the, to the studio, uh, I asked you if uh, you were happy. And uh, you said you were. I am. Okay, and uh, I asked, what were you happy about? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember what my answer was, though. <laughs> well, you were happy that our, our governor didn't get kidnapped. Well,
1: that's true, That yes. was one of them. I, uh, that was one of them, yeah. yeah. And let me uh, say, Jim, that I don't believe that happy people plot to do evil things.
0: Aha, uh-huh. so... That's kind of back to our conversation of uh, last week, where we were talking about good and bad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can't think of happy people plotting to do evil
1: things. Well, you know, I'm going to marshal the argument today that happiness, while it is a feeling, happiness is also a moral obligation. Okay. So.
0: We're morally obligated to uh, to be happy. That's kind of uh, kind of interesting. Um, uh, uh, Martin Seligman, in one of his TED talks, talked about some of the research that uh, he and his group have done uh, in the area of positive psychology, but particularly looking at happiness. And he identified three different kinds. Uh, one is the um, uh, uh, just sort of the the oh. French vanilla, ice, French vanilla ice cream type. So Real something bad. good happens to you, and and uh, like getting a big scoop of French vanilla ice cream makes and you, you feel good. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel happy. Um, you eat three or four spoonfuls, and you know the the initial happiness has kind of gone away. Yeah, it's sort of. So he says that that's there's a a short. Uh, Time of engagement, so it's the the least important kind of happiness, at least for the positive psychology people. Then he talked about another kind, and that is uh, um, uh, happiness from engagement. And uh, he gave some examples, and we'll put uh, a link up to his talk. But one of the examples that he used was a guy who played bridge, competitive bridge, uh-huh. and he would just get into the to, to the zone and. Uh, you know, time would disappear, and and you know he would be, you know, just totally engaged and, and happy with his uh, bridge playing. He calls that the second kind, and then the third kind, which we've alluded to before in in these uh, conversations, is uh, happiness that comes from the meaningful life. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the Harvard study that uh, we've talked about, uh, the longevity study, uh, pretty much indicates that. People who have or are able to find meaning in their life uh, will end up with a uh, uh, a longer uh, uh, lifespan, for sure. And uh, Seligman would argue that they would be happier as well. So,
1: where is the moral obligation here? Well, I'm going to argue it this way. Um, happiness is a feeling. hmm Unhappiness is a feeling. Okay. So suppose we came to the studio today, Jim, and you were, for some reason, totally bummed out. Things had absolutely gone wrong in your morning. Uh, You and your lovely wife had had a fight. Uh, Your car had a flat tire. Everything that you could think of. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So... You would be unhappy. Uh,
0: Maybe unhappy, angry perhaps. Angry perhaps, Uh, yeah. um, Uh,
1: But how would you act when we're doing our broadcast?
0: Oh, I'd uh, put on a happy face, a big smile. I'd interact with you really well, Ralph. You know, what would I do? I'd fake it until I made it, right? Yes,
1: and the thing is that not as a... uh, Skinnerian behaviorist, but I'm going to argue that the moral obligation is to act happy. Uh Aha, okay. Because... Uh, You bum people out if you don't. You bum people out if you don't, Uh and um, it changes the macro level, that is to say, you're inside, you're personal, your spouse, your friends, your family, all of these are affected if you don't act happy.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, even if you don't feel like acting happy, you uh, put on the happy face so that you are not uh, destroying the people around you, right?
1: And that carries over into the macro level so it's micro your your personal spaces and contacts and macro uh the society mm-hmm. so
0: okay let's look at that society thing right now in our society i see a lot of what i would consider unhappy people you know particularly with the, well a lot of different things i see unhappy kids uh because of the school situations i see unhappy parents because of the covid uh, and and employment situations but i also see unhappy uh, voters from either party uh being unhappy about uh, uh, all things election so and i think you're right it does seem to have a a cancerous effect
1: yeah i mean the people Who were rioting earlier on this summer? Um, whatever they were aggrieved about, uh, un, unhappy people are the people who riot and protest and and stride up and down. Happy people generally say, "Well, uh, there's an election coming up. I'm unhappy with the current government, but I'm going to vote to change it." So. You know, they tend to be a little more reasoned, a little more adult in their reactions. Okay. So, we owe it to others to be as happy as possible, to act as happy as possible. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be maniac about it, but smiling at the store clerk, uh, using uh, some language to say how are you today how's it going etc etc uh it gets you a lot uh better response than coming in and going grump 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 you know or not saying anything
0: yeah that's true so uh that's like that's personal you'll get a better better response but but are you least... going to argue that the society in general becomes better because of that I think so,
1: okay, because I think the thing is that the guy who's driving in road rage aha, uh-huh. okay, okay, uh if he were happy at that moment, he'd be driving the speed limit, yes, but not swerving in and out and bellering road hug at the people who were swerving for their lives, mm-hmm and that comes, I think, from a collection of our interactions through the day.
0: Okay, okay. You know, I personally know some things about road rage because I've been the target of road rage you know, quite a lot. You know, living out in the country and, and driving on not very good roads. Um, I've uh, been passed by other drivers uh, in you know, their, their cars or trucks. And uh, I have been the recipient of the uh, upraised middle finger.:
1: uh, Yes, that happens.
0: And you know, I, I'm sure that the person who raises the finger is unhappy, unhappy with me, and you know the fact that yeah. I was you know, going to try and not you know going slowly or the speed on it so I, my car wouldn't fall apart. But uh, it's interesting the effect of that that uh, upturned finger has on me as a driver. Okay. I really
1: don't like it. Yeah, and you know, you you see these examples where people give the middle digit, and the other person responds. Yeah. And then the two of them are chasing each other down the road,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you know that can lead to all sorts of strange things, one or the other of them going off the road or, yeah. you know, uh, so it's it's just healthier for you mentally. Mm-hmm. I was listening
0: a number of years ago to um, Stephen Gary, they were two DJs on uh, WLS in Chicago and uh, they had a morning show and uh, they had a lot of humor that was <laughs> sort of stupid humor and even you yeah, kind of sick humor or hostile humor. And in fact, when uh, uh, I would talk to Sheila after you know, driving home and listening to it, you know, she would say, oh, you've been listening to Steve and Gary again, have you? You know, because it would, my humor then would... Uh,
1: would uh, turn into sarcasm and uh, yeah. kind of jabbing humor.
0: hmm uh, And I'm going to use that sarcasm one in a second. But what happened one day... Is that somebody phoned in, and uh, they were talking to uh, Steve or Gary, and uh, they were on the the uh, uh, what the east side of Chicago by the lake by Lake Michigan. Right. And uh, somebody uh, in another car cut this person off, and he's so he's on the phone, and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get this person, and so he's like running up and hitting the other guy in the bumper. On real time, I mean, <laughs> so while
1: he's on the phone,
0: yeah, he's... yeah, so it, uh, I didn't like it, didn't like hearing about that, it made me, you know,
1: it's like, makes you anxious, yeah,
0: like seeing a, 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 you know, a bad movie or something like that, but I, I digress for, for uh, sarcasm, um, I once heard, Ralph, that uh, you were at a party, and a person came up to you and said, "Well, oh, I understand that you're the most sarcastic person probably in the world. Go ahead, say something sarcastic to me. To which you replied,
1: I'm pleased to meet you. <laughs>
0: okay. So I so, laughed at that. <laughs> yeah.
1: So here, here's um, a thing, John. There are people in life who are pretty much what I would say are acting morally. Whether they feel down or not, they try and put a happy face on. They try and create a little bit of laughter. Mm -hmm. There's also the antithesis, the person who's chronically unhappy. Not necessarily depressed, but just not a very happy person.
0: Do you
1: you see the difference? uh? Yeah.
0: I I go back to an old um, uh, sitcom, uh, Married with Children. and Uh I think about uh, his name, Mr. Bundy, Ed Bundy. Yeah. There's a person who, uh, even though it's in the middle of a a sitcom, comes across as being pretty unhappy. Yeah. The, the, The comedy there is the juxtaposition of his crazy family, uh as opposed to and and his his I think long-suffering putting up with this crazy family right yeah and I guess we can all identify with crazy with families crazy families yeah. yeah but he just he looked like someone who was kind of you know unhappy uh but I think of other comedians who um maybe put a smiling face on it um Richard Pryor um Funny, yeah, when you're running guy. down the
1: road and your face is on fire, that was his line about uh, smoking crack cocaine, and the pipe blew up in his mouth.
0: Yeah, or um, uh, Robin Williams ending up uh, again. the The outside persona was um, uh, one of, of laughter and happiness, but uh, you know he ended up taking his own life.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you know, if if you're that unhappy. Uh you have to reach out to somebody, yeah, but if you're sort of i would call it normally chronically unhappy, you're not suicidal, you're not in the midst of a depression where you can't get out of bed, but you're just unhappy, mm-hmm, okay, so imagine we've got now a husband and wife, okay, so let's say in this case, the husband is. Pretty much normally a happy guy. Okay. And the wife is chronically unhappy. Okay. Right. Or you could reverse it. You could reverse it. Yeah. Yeah. So one spouse happy, the other spouse unhappy. Mm-hmm. How's the marriage? Um, not so good. Not so good. Yeah. Uh, so you've got the the few where you've got a happy spouse and another happy spouse. Okay. How's the marriage? I would bet.
0: Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm.
1: Now here's the thing.
0: Uh, what about the? I can think of a third one that you haven't brought up yet. What if you have two unhappy spouses or spice? I suppose
1: spice. Yeah. Two unhappies. Well, guess what? What? That doesn't happen very often. No kidding. Because the unhappies are unhappy, but they're not stupid.
0: Um, unpack that one a little bit more
1: well if you're unhappy you don't marry another unhappy so uh-huh. you can be miserable together uh-huh okay so the question then is why does a happy marry an unhappy
0: okay all right and you're going to put on the uh the the uh answer man hat now and uh, give me something here right? yes okay. because so let's rephrase the question why does a happy marry an unhappy right okay so all right Karnak let go for it
1: well the unhappies generally are perceived by the happy who marries them as somebody who needs rescuing aha
0: uh-huh. okay yeah. I can
1: help you I can fix you
0: oh that's uh, in my experience at least That's the most deadly reason for getting married that uh, I have pretty much ever heard.
1: Yes. Okay. But, in my experience, it does happen a lot. It does happen a lot, yeah. And, you know, in this age of going with our feelings, um, we often hear people say, it's not me, it's my parents, it's my teachers, it's... Somebody else. My clergy, else it's that, somebody else. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, the uh, the thing is, as one woman said to me about her daughter, who was a, an adult daughter, mm-hmm. and she was pretty screwed up. Okay.
0: That's a psychological term that we do use you know, yeah. frequently. Yeah, frequently. Uh, non-clinical, but... Uh, oh, I don't know. I, my clinician friends, uh, yeah, they, that's, that's part of the parlance. Uh,
1: and the mother said, I finally came to the re- realization I didn't break her, I can't fix her.
0: Uh-huh. Well, daughter, though, when she comes into uh, uh, therapy in my office, tells me, you know, and mother broke me, You know, and and then nobody can fix me, or then or Jim, you fix me. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, mother is either right or wrong. You know, but uh, uh, for a a lot of psychologists, you know, we would look back to the early years and uh, ask, well, what kinds of things happened to uh, cause damage to this uh, this now unhappy individual? Because you you made the point last week, or I made the point, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, that uh, kids are pretty much born a, a blank slate. Right. And you know, a lot of the research with pre-verbal kids indicates that they are um, uh, cooperative, and you know, we could argue, you know, happy, you know, yeah. altruistic. Um, but something happens, you know, and it's we, we would look for environmental things that uh, that happened. But even, and again, going back to some of the research that we've looked at um, in earlier uh, podcasts, we know that some things that happen prenatally can have an effect on the, develop, an effect. the developing yeah. fetus. So it's um, uh, the, the mo- I'm not going to blame the mom in this particular case. You know, I didn't break her, so I can't fix her. But in psychology, we do look for, you know, for, for causes. For
1: causation, yeah. Well, what what I'm going to say, and this may run contrary to what you just said, Jim, and that is, uh, I'm going to say you can't be happy until you take responsibility for your life.
0: Well, that doesn't ring uh, 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 untrue. That I would I would agree. You know, so, you know,
1: the person that you're trying to help mm-hmm. who comes and says, my mother broke me. Mm-hmm. You fix me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Much of what you're trying to do is to get that person to say, I'm responsible for going on from here.
0: Yes. Good point. Good point. Um, we put up uh, on TED Talks, oh, not TED Talks, psychology, and psychology takeaway, we put away up a thought for the day. And I don't know if you looked at yesterday's thought for the day, uh, Ralph. It was from the aviator uh, uh, Amelia Earhart. That's thank you. The name escaped me for a minute there, but it, it, the the quote was, and this is the best I can paraphrase: the best way to do it is to do it. Yes. You know. So the idea, if you want to make changes in your world, uh, positive changes in your world, uh, just do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. And you know, if you're happy, you change your work environment. Uh, the people around you Mm -hmm. at your work will be happier.
0: And that'll be a more positive environment for you to work in, right? And the the, the converse might be true, too. If you are unhappy in your work environment,
1: maybe change where you work. Well, that can be one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're unhappy in your work environment because of the work,
0: Mm.
1: that's a good strategy. Mm -hmm. If you're unhappy because of your workmates, Probably Trump. not going to change them very much. Well, if you are happy, mm-hmm. or at least if you act happy, you're going to have as good a chance as possible to help them be happier.
0: Okay, okay. Um, um, up so to, yeah, up the to happy
1: make the world better. Okay. The unhappy make the world worse. Hmm. So right. this summer, Antifa, BLM, riots... Uh, the the great video clip of the guy standing there saying the riots are fiery but mostly peaceful and behind him, two buildings are soaring up in flames uh-huh. those were not happy people
0: right right uh and i suppose going back to the, the beginning part of our podcast today the uh, the people who were plotting to uh, uh, kidnap uh, governor whitner Whitmer uh, were, were unhappy people
1: unhappy people yeah, yeah. That,
0: and this was not a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing was it no like, this, like this road went, rage yeah that it, middle finger could be spur-of-the-moment yeah
1: but this went back to um, um, May or June uh, to a meeting that was held in Ohio and then people came back to Michigan and yeah continued to you know What can we do? How can we plot? uh, You know, should we throw a bomb into the car or should we kidnap her kind of thing?
0: Yikes. Okay, yeah.
1: So, you know, one of the things, Jim, that we were talking about children, and uh, I know you do a lot of clinical work with kids, um, and every age has its struggles to be happy. Yeah, true enough. But, you know, back in the day, one of the things that, uh, went on uh, with very little attention paid to it was bullying in school uh,
0: you know that's that's right I can think of uh, you yeah. know hey, Bob D mm. in uh, our elementary school Bill K yes, in high schools yes.
1: yeah. okay uh, Robert M uh, etc et and mm-hmm. so the thing is, you know, uh, I think there's probably 11 people in the U.S. who were not bullied in school. <laughs> probably. Wouldn't be you or I, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, being bullied taught me three things Okay. that I think are very important and that have carried into my adult life. What are they? They taught me how to run really fast. <laughs>
0: They taught Kind of me, like
1: Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. Run, Forrest, run. Okay. They taught me how to fight really dirty. Uh-huh. And they taught me how to be funny. hmm Because if I could disarm the bully before he grabbed my cap off me, telling me that I looked really stupid in this cap with ear flaps, because I did. <laughs> yes. You know, I could make him laugh. And that would help defuse the bullying moment. Good, good point. Yes, excellent point. Do you have time for a story?
0: Um, Well, well, I I can tell a story. Okay, you tell a story. Okay. Well, you know, I was working in prison after I got my bachelor's degree. From Michigan State. And uh, one day I was asked to give a letter to an inmate that I had never met before. Right, and uh, uh, I'm pretty new in the in the prison, and uh, so I hand the, the letter over to the, the guy, and I didn't know the contents, you know, of, right. the, of the letter, and um, so he's reading it, and you can just see, the, oh, this guy is huge. He looks like Mr. Clean. Remember the guy that the, yeah, that, the bald yeah. head and bald the ear head, ring? And, the
1: earring, yeah. yeah, this guy's
0: huge, and uh, he's looking at this letter. And he's reading it, and he gets gets, you just see the color, the emotion just coming up into his his face. And you know, I'm there and I'm you know just watching this and you know, hey, you know what? I'm twenty-two years old, you know, and fresh out of Michigan State. Here's this
1: forty-five year old huge guy (laughs) looking more and more like a gorilla. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so he but finally, he, he yells, <laughs> and he comes across the desk at me with his hands out like this, so you can't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just like... our
1: readers can see, a, uh, uh, listeners can see a pair of hands grabbing yeah, for the neck.
0: For the neck. And uh, uh, I uh, instinctively uh, went,
1: <laughs> cackled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he stopped with a, like a, an inch from my neck. And he started to laugh also. And he put his hands back down. And so I said, you know, my best clinical stuff. Must have been something pretty upsetting in that letter. <laughs> and it turns out that this guy uh, was a murderer. Okay, he had, he had gone in to rob a bank in Toronto and uh, he had a toy gun. And so he went up to the cashier said, I want your money, had the toy gun. A guard in the bank came up to him with a real gun, and this guy just took the real gun away from the guard, shot the guard in the head. Ah. Okay. Now, there was, uh, he'd had some sort of a, a uh, job, uh, and uh, uh he had some money someplace. Anyhow, this letter w- was from the bank, and... Uh, um, it's, they were going to guarantee his wages at the penitentiary. this guys making twenty-five cents a day, you know, at the penitentiary. <laughs> and so, and, and he, so I, I talked to him later, and he said, "You know, I was just self-defense. Uh, you know, you know, they, they framed me." He said, "No, no. It, when you when you take a gun away from somebody to shoot him in the head, it's not it's not self-defense. Not, not
1: self-defense.
0: Yeah. But, but I credit the, my cackle there with maybe saving my life."
1: Probably, yeah. So, you know, the old Reader's Digest thing, laughter is the best medicine. Mm -hmm. It often is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, when we were dealing with the healing power of play and laughter, I mean, that's what a lot of the results basically said, was that if you can laugh at something, it helps defuse the situation, it helps... uh, uh, your psychological health, as well.
0: Yeah, good point. Uh, I the uh, those conferences and the healing power of play and laughter were were really important conferences for for both of us, and we learned that that uh, Norman Cousins probably saved his life through uh, uh, immersing himself in in uh, holistic health, but also immersing himself in uh, humor. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Um, Now, one of the things, Jim, that we've alluded to, and I want to emphasize again, we live in the age of feelings. Yes. So, you know, as I said last week, it used to be somebody said, what do you think about it? Mm -hmm. Now they say, how do you feel about it? Okay. But the feelings have substituted, I think, for the idea of right and wrong. Uh Uh-huh. So if you feel about it, I can't say, well, you shouldn't feel that. Uh, Yeah, okay. But if you say, well, I think, Mm -hmm. then I can say, well, I understand that, but here are the countervailing factors. Sure, okay. So then we can have a rational discussion. Yeah. For
0: example, um, you might say, I think that a socialist country is best, and I might say I think a democratic uh, country is best, and so we can have a uh, a discussion about that, right? Yeah. Okay, but if if you feel that communism or socialism is right, and I feel that democracy is right, we're not going to come to any kind of, of no.
1: Of all all discussion. we do is butt heads because we both feel we're right. Did you use the word butt head, Ralph? <laughs> not uh, not in that connotation. Oh, okay. Wow. It wasn't a, it wasn't a verbal raised <laughs> finger. But it could be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a, a quote that I'd like to give you which is from a guy named Dennis Prager. Okay. Uh, he was talking about the mother of one of his childhood friends and they were talking about he and his friend were talking about uh who in their class was happy Mm -hmm. and the mother turned around from the cupboard and said the only people i know who are happy are people i don't know well huh okay so the more you know somebody the more you know their struggles in life
0: well, that's probably true, yeah.
1: The the causes of their unhappiness. Right. Like, we didn't
0: know uh, Robin Williams.
1: No. You know. And, but We knew the facade. Yeah. But we didn't know what was inside. Right. You know, laughing on the outside, crying on the inside, as the old cliche had.
0: Yeah, right. So that somebody at a distance can look good, but up close, not so. So, but what's the... Uh, uh, what's the takeaway here for somebody who does know someone really well? Well, like I know you pretty well. And, yes, and uh, I would say that you're pretty happy. But if you weren't happy, then what what would my
1: moral obligation be? Well, you would have a moral obligation to try and help me to be happy, mm-hmm. because happy people are generally better. Sure. Their lives are better. Okay, and um, how? How would I go about doing that? Well, uh, primarily, I think, as as you do professionally, uh, listening to me. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. Okay, so what does it mean that people I don't know well are happy? Well, the thing is you don't know them well enough to hear their stories. Okay. Because they won't tell somebody they don't know very well what their problems are. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good, good point. One of my clients yesterday it said uh, uh, in response to something I said I said you know I'm beginning to understand uh, the, your circumstances and she said you don't know the half of it and that's true you know, mm-hmm. I don't know the half of it at some
1: point I will perhaps if, perhaps if she, depending yeah. on what she shares yeah but you know one of the things Jim that when when we're talking about feelings people often say well if I don't respond from my feelings, I'm inauthentic. Inauthentic, yeah. I've heard that. Uh, so if you don't act how you're feeling, if you're unhappy but you act happy, uh-huh, you're inauthentic. Well, if your behavior is different than your feelings, mm-hmm. you're an adult. Okay. Okay. So in other words... One of the jobs of being an adult is to know when to not talk about your feelings, when to behave as if those feelings didn't exist.
0: Okay, good good point. And that is, you know, the put on a happy face, put on the the happy hat. You know, Ralph, we've covered a lot of things here today. and I think there's still more that we should be uh, looking at perhaps next week. What
1: do you think? I think we can do another talk on happiness,
0: and uh, we'll bring in some of the, some of the research you know, also at uh, this, this point. So let's uh, sign off with our usual, and then uh, let's let uh, Farrell uh, 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 Williams uh, kind of take us out, okay?
1: Okay, that sounds good. Okay. So,
0: Jim, keep your stick on the ice, because we're all in this together.